We Have Issues is a weekly podcast full of reviews of comics and oversharing. We use grown-up language to make very childish jokes. You can find the show at wehaveissues.net, as well as anywhere else where average to not too bad podcasts can be found. listener welcome to episode 123 of uh, we have issues the comic book podcast that doesn't even know who it is anymore it's been a few weeks since the uh, last episode and i'm really really sorry about that it's entirely on me um i've uh, dropped the ball i'd like to blame it on work or someone else some nebulous other but no it's entirely my fault and i'm really really sorry maybe no actually uh, I blame it on comics. Uh, comics is uh, as a, a medium or as a culture can sometimes be difficult to get excited about. It's not normally the actual comics themselves. The comics themselves are quite often there are always uh, plenty of good comics out there to read. But when the rest of the world is basically like a skip on fire um that's the english version of a dumpster fire for anyone who's listening uh overseas should clarify actually for english uh english listeners or british listeners when i say skip i mean one of those like skips that basically dumpsters i don't mean a, a bag of skips which are crisps and a completely different thing um quite like skips actually I like my favourite thing is when the the prawn cocktail flavouring all sorts sort of gathers in places and it tastes completely artificial and chemically, but it's really t- I quite like chemically tastes. I like that macaroni cheese you get in uh, cans that doesn't taste like any human hands have ever ever touched it. It doesn't taste like macaroni cheese, but it's got this weird chem like the d- d- artificial tasting delightfulness to it i really like it it it, it buoys me up uh for americans listening i think you pronounce it buoy it buoys me up what was i saying oh yeah so when the rest of the world is a bit of a state it it can be a little bit depressing when you then look at uh the the uh comic industry and that's like a just a microcosm or just reflecting the rest of the world being a state the good the good thing about comics i suppose is that it has consistently been like that for a really long time there have always been plenty of examples of the retail and industry side of comics being a, a complete fucking disaster full of really adolescent and bigoted behavior but um not full that makes it sound about 70 percent full there are good shops. Um, somewhere. There are. There's one in Ireland. Um, the one in Brighton's okay. Even though part of the reason there's only really one in Brighton anymore is about 20 years ago. they I think they forced pretty much everyone else out of business. But that's a whole other thing. But yeah, so... <sighs> I don't know. We've all always had our, our fair share of... Uh, perverts 
and harassers and abusers as well. Uh, but even though there haven't been that many really big and horrible news stories in comics recently, the fact is that because the rest of the world is so horrible as well, it doesn't take a lot. And there was a retailer thing a few weeks ago where um, retail a couple of weeks ago, a retailers at NYCC uh, behaved absolutely atrociously. Um, I know Comics and Cola, uh, who is a pretty amazing comics commentator um, who's doing a lot for uh, alternative comics. Um, is it Shortbox that they do? I can't remember. Anyway, they've pretty much been hounded off Twitter recently for no good reason except that they're not one of the accepted voices by the um, alt-right adjacent fucking idiots we've always had in our culture. Uh, a few people recently have been talking about uh, the sense they've been getting that Gamergate has kind of infested uh, comics a little bit, but um, anyone who's been listening to the show for a while knows that I've I've always sort of argued that uh, we don't need Gamergaters and alt-righters to come across to us because we've always had people like that since since before video games were really a thing. To be honest, this is negative. I sound so negative. But this is this is kind of why I, I found it really difficult to get in front of the microphone again. I had a really good experience at London, London Super Comic Con a few weeks ago. Um, saw some of my favourite comic-y people, did lots of talking to them, got quite excited. But the real world intruded. Um, the real world intruded on my mood really soon afterwards. And this isn't therapy, Nick. Get a grip. Anyway, this is a podcast about comics. And in a little while, I'm going to be sharing with you a conversation that a friend of the show and of mine, Max Barnard, and I had uh, a little while ago about manga and uh, porn comics. Um, one particular porn comic uh, gets the, the spotlight there. It's called Alfie, and it's by an artist called In Case. I think that's the name. We'll talk, we'll talk about it in a little while. If you want to talk to me online, I, f I feel uh, I've given you plenty of reasons to avoid doing that. But if you want to talk to me online, I'm Nicksight, N-I-X-S-I-G-H-T, uh, on Twitter. I'm Nicholas Papaconstantino on Facebook. The podcast itself has a Twitter account, uh, which is really mainly where I talk about uh, comics on Twitter. Um, that's IssuesPod, I-S-S-U-E-S-P-O-D. There is a We Have Issues page on Facebook. There's also a, a group for the the other 10%, which is the website on which this podcast is hosted. And we are Patreon-supported. This and our cousin-sister podcast, uh, Two Grown Men, um, have uh, a Patreon. And that is at patreon.com forward slash TOTP. I think that's all the admin. I think if we start digging in too much to any of the other stuff that's going on in comics, it's just going to get even more depressing and low energy than it already... Listen, listener, I'm going to go. I'm going to reflect on how this has gone, because... I know it seems like this is all really easy, but this is like the 19th 
or 20th try I've had at this introduction. And, uh, and I feel like I, after all this time, it's been like nearly 10 years of podcasting. I don't, don't think I ever said like this much before either. Um, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, but I feel like it should be a bit easier. Uh, I should be a bit better at it by now. So I need to really reflect on... I've, I've been saying no worries a lot at work as well. I don't know where that's come from. I'm, I'm not a no worries sort of a person. No worries. Oh no, no worries. I mean... Who says that? That's not me. People keep asking me questions and like asking, saying... Are you free, Nick? And I, I've been saying, Yarp. I didn't say Yarp. Who the fuck am I becoming? I just, I don't know where it's come from. It's like the last month or so, Yarp and No Worries have just made it into... That's that's a whole other thing. Um, the, the, Max and I had a really nice conversation. Here it is. You were just you were just talking about manga, and I did want to ask you because one of the reasons I haven't been uh, uh, it's, I'm talking to Max Barnard, by the way. Uh, I'm not Mark Maron. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that I'm not Mark Maron, Max? I've, I've never known you to really make a noise after drinking coffee. So similar, but not the same. No, I I try and keep really quiet um, while I'm drinking coffee, uh, but that's because really early on in my life um i i learned and internalized the lesson that when i do shit my pants in public um it, it's best not to make a fuss about it <laughs> so i do shit my pants every time i drink coffee i just don't make a fuss because i didn't think you were supposed to it's the difference between the american english way of life you know we just kind of yeah. shit ourselves and carry on whereas they have to make a point of complaining to the management about it so cultural <laughs> stereotypes at their finest yeah, I just, I just shit. Hey, brother, I just shit my pants. I can't do voices. Um, yeah. So, like, part of the reason, part of the reason I've been struggling to record anything, uh, is that I'm super, super tired. But the other part of the reason is that it's really difficult to, um, like, it, everything, uh, everything seems political because I know comics have been shitting the bed for the last well probably the last five or six years probably longer than that and we just didn't know about it but now it seems like everything is shitting the bed always and it's difficult to form a positive opinion about anything certainly i don't want to talk about it most of the most of the time but that's western comics british comics there isn't really a british comic in, well i mean there is a british comic industry but it isn't covered the way the american industry is so we don't really know like um we don't it doesn't it doesn't seem like any british creators have really done anything too scandalous if we don't like think too hard about brendan mccarthy or people like that but you follow manga quite closely and i've noticed are you actually reading are you actually learning japanese or uh yeah i've i've been using uh a variety of apps uh wanikani and duolingo in particular to kind of get me on my way a bit because i've i've been learning on and off for about five years, but in a really sort of half-assed way where I can be like, I recognise the characters, but I don't know what they mean. Uh, mm -hmm. But I've, I've tried to delve a little deeper and actually get to a point where I can just read read things I want to that aren't out in English without feeling like I have to do the bad thing. 
Yeah, because you're very. Um, yeah, because you are you are very sort of engaged with that. See, the other thing I was thinking about before we started talking is that for me, um, growing up, when I had the youthful energy that you have for comics, I can't. That's not really fair because I don't think Peter Hammerson's as young as you, and he's still got a lot of energy. He has more energy, energy than I comics. ever will for comics. <laughs> but like, you've you've got this thing you're into, and you do chase it, mm. like you are you are engaged with it and you do you do um you do still chase it and find out stuff about it and there wasn't really the opportunity to do that when i was young enough to to still like care that much about things anyway but um but yeah you are so i imagine what is there quite a lot of stuff you're frustrated it hasn't come out in the uk yet uh I, I would have previously said, you know, a, a few things, mostly old stuff, like, you know, I, I used to do my Shonen Jump podcast, which was about a 50-year-old magazine, and as it turns out, maybe about 2% of all the series from that were actually out in English legally, and, and oh. so that was frustrating, but until I actually started buying these comics digitally, because as it turns out, uh, Japanese reading apps such as Bookwalker and eBook Japan just, just let you buy Japanese books from the App Store, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I didn't think there was a huge amount, but in the, I've been buying the equivalent of about a book a day since the start of September, each one at about 200 pages. So I think there might have been a lot of things I was frustrated when out. <laughs> Two, uh, 200 pages, but still quite affordable, mm. I think, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, the majority of them are £2.99 on average. Yeah, that's that's definitely sort of in the range of. Did you say daily habit at this point? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't buy them daily, but if I buy them, I'll buy like uh, two or so at a time. Yeah. Uh, so it I, just spreads out as such. It start it when you when I hear it, when I hear two ninety nine a day, it sounds like it, it still sounds like a lot, and then I think, but if I'm too lazy to make my lunches for a few weeks at a time that's that's about half what i'm paying for lunch on a daily basis yeah no i i've tried not to think about the budget too much uh, like i recently mm. realized i was spending about 60 pounds a month on western comics and realized i need to cut down and i'm trying to do the same with this but as it turns out when you're buying everything digitally you don't think about the money because it's not real it's not real things it can't cost that much <laughs> well it's interesting it's, it's interesting you say that because um and I won't get into the conversation about piracy review, but one thing that's frustrated me a lot about American comics, specifically Marvel and DC, but nearly every publisher tries it on with this a little bit once they get a bit of a bit of a head of steam, um, is uh, Marvel and DC certainly have developed a business model that's designed to make it impossible for you to just buy one title there are a few titles that you can buy on their own but if you're like a proper marvel fan person you can't get a complete you can't get one complete story without buying several um several titles and that's frustrating and forces people into this situation where they're buying where they're spending 60 60 pounds a month or whatever and probably not even feeling like they're getting that much story oh, no, i mean um, what you get like 20 pages for three to four pounds it's it's not an amazing conversion rate and they're yeah and they're all just they're all quite often just uh parts of ongoing an ongoing universe it's all just sustaining this ongoing universe whereas 
Um, whereas Japanese comics, there's not that... Um, when I was thinking about this before, it was really clear in my head, and I had all the I had all the terms terms clearly in my argument clearly there. But that's just not what Japanese comics are like, is it? Like, I guess, do they have universes? Do they have an equivalent of that? Uh, really? Some some do. Um, like Dragon Ball has a mountain of spin-offs, but doesn't really have a universe of titles that linked in. But mm-hmm. it is technically in the same world as uh, Akira Toriyama's previous work, Doctor Slump. It's just that doesn't matter because he finished working on that like a couple of years before or whatever. There, there was no mm-hmm. real crossover point for them to be like, oh, you have to buy both titles because of the, the way the single creator system tends to work out there. Like They're, mm-hmm. they're not going to be working on their own titles to cross over with their own titles and they're often not interested in working together with other creators unless it's for a one-off like non-canon story that won't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So, because because we got this, um, we've got this weird situation in certainly in American comics where people are really worried about what counts. I found this when, um, I talk about continuity porn a lot, but it's partly because I it was something I noticed when I worked in retail, and it continues that that people who people who are invested in that world who only really buy those comics are really focused on what counts rather than which comics are actually um, good. Hmm. But it's not like... It's you. It's created this... And I don't know if it's the direct market that's created this, but it, it creates this weird situation where, where you do get um, these pamphlets that aren't self-contained, but at the same time, it feels like um, maybe manga is more like it's less precious about iteration there's quite a lot of like maybe maybe it's i've only got very limited understand a uh, limited experience of this stuff and uh i know uh i think we might have talked about it a little bit in the past but like it's not unusual to read it's not unusual for there to be several sports titles which have quite similar stories like similar concepts to each other or the love hina i read love hina but Although the setting of Love Hina was very specific, the actual makeup of what that series was was almost identical to several other series. There's like subgenres, and they're all iterative. And there's not, it's not like, um, it doesn't seem like there's that much preciousness about the fact that if you like this one story about this guy who's this one comic that's about this guy who, um, this guy who's in love with this one girl, but she's probably not the one he should be with. He should be with this other one, but there's this whole gaggle of embarrassing experience he's got to go through before he realises that. You you don't have to choose just one of those. If you like one, you're probably going to like... There are probably loads of other comics for you, and there's not that much preciousness. Am I making any sense No, I, I totally get you. It's uh, it, it almost sounds like I'm massively insulting an entire country's comics market but there's a sort of a genericness involved like these things have been built upon and all run for multiple years with these same genre tropes to them that just like that the next title's going to use as well and another title mm. running in a different magazine will use too because it's the thing readers like to see and I mean you, you get some company loyalty like people only read things from one publisher but it doesn't really affect much because they'll still be publishing the same sorts of titles as each other. Mm-hmm. And and that doesn't really seem to bother anyone. Like, you, you get people going, oh, this series is a rip-off of this series. Uh, 
my, my big bugbear at the moment is moaning about how the the new action comic aimed at young teenagers, Black Clover, is a lot like previous teenage comic uh, Naruto. Mm-hmm. Because they, they have the same basic build to them, but in turn they're like pretty much every other comic that's been published by that particular magazine since 1985. It's, mm. uh, it, it's like EastEnders, right? Oh, sorry. You, you, yeah, you, exactly. You don't, you don't have a go at EastEnders for rehashing the same plots, because in theory you're supposed to age out of those stories and move on to the next type of story along the way until you get older and older, you reach the businessman age where everything's a porn comic and then you die. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I was, I was actually thinking that that's like, it, it is just a sign of a healthy, a healthy medium really, or a ubiquitous medium because TV is, uh, my wife watches, this is us. Um, and it look, it's really popular and it seems really well made, but everything she gets from that and almost the DNA of that show is exactly the same as Brothers and Sisters, which is this other show she watched um, a few years ago. And like the the relationship between two gay men in a show we watch, which is a hospital drama called Night Shift, is pretty much exactly the same as one that was in Brothers. Like it happens in TV drama all the time. It isn't just that EastEnders is recycling plots from EastEnders those plots are also in Coronation Street as, as well um, but it's what's in, what's interesting actually is that like because the stories are very similar I guess you get to notice how different people tell those stories a, oh, a lot yeah. more and uh, which you don't necessarily get when everyone's trying to do the, the latest uh, high concept story for Iron Man or whatever which worked really well the first couple of times people did it and and now i don't i don't know it's just what big ridiculous thing are they doing there's no status quo in marvel comics except that there's this rolling status quo i don't know it's very complicated and i'm probably too tired and too uh too out of practice i i I feel like you you're definitely hitting upon the interesting things there like ultimately if you've got multiple creators working on the same sort of title it it's got a limit to what it can do because the title takes the key but if it's creators working on their own books that happen to be similar to other titles it's still got the the individual flourish that makes it interesting like you you don't read them just to get the exact same story again you read them to see how this person does this story again yeah yeah, yeah. exactly it's um it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting because fans of American comics, superhero comics, or the the shows that are generated out of these um, should should be super aware of the formulas and just accept accept that they're seeing exactly that. that they're seeing whatever these new people are doing with that same formula. Like, there's nothing that different between Smallville and the Flash, or any of the other sorts of I don't know. Now I am losing my point. The, the question I wanted to ask you about manga was: um, Do, do is is the Japanese comic industry as full of assholes as the American ones? No, it's 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 more that it's full of horrific masochists for the most part. Uh, these mm. people don't have time to really indulge in the cult of personality till they're finished doing work because 
the the average work hours of your sort of weekly published manga creator uh, kind of just involves them sleeping three hours a night and getting maybe one two days off a month. Like they work themselves into the absolute grave, so they they don't have time to be on Twitter a lot of the time. And if they are, it's usually to be like, please buy my work or look at this thing I drew when I wasn't drawing my main work. And mm. and that's kind of reassuring in a way because you don't have to face the sad realities of them. Sometimes it's not so much the case, though. Uh, the the mm. latest big hot thing uh, for, for manga globally is My Hero Academia. It's got an anime out and everything. You see people talking on Twitter about how it proves everything that Marvel and DC are doing wrong, which... It does, but it also proves all the things that it does wrong itself. Uh, but mm-hmm. the, the main interesting thing there is the, the creator's been in a couple of interviews that have disturbed people because they learnt that his favourite character is the weird pervert that nobody likes and also that he <laughs> is basically that weird pervert. And they went, oh, so even though it seems like he has a positive attitude to women because he draws them with diverse body types along the same mm-hmm. sort of range of busty women... Uh, mm-hmm he's actually kind of not doing it from a place of positivity. He's doing it because he just really likes these teenagers to look good. <laughs> yeah, okay. So maybe maybe it's just that they're not being interviewed that much. I, I, I think the thing is, if you give anybody a chance to, to talk out, they'll often reveal their, their darkest nature, whether they mean to or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them kind of don't know. Like, Akira Toriyama's been around for ages, and he's... Since he finished Dragon Ball in, like, 1995, he's been sick to his stomach of doing long-form work. So he'll do, mm-hmm. like, a 10-week thing and then retire for a couple of years and just, just talk in between to people. And and that's worked out really well. Uh, because, for the most part, he only ever has negative things to say about himself and how tired he is, or his editor and how he hates him so much he's made him into a comic character. <laughs> uh, and... How- and so personalities, can, they can be nice over there, but I, I guess you have that with Western comics too. Like, you get people who are perfectly harmless and fun. Yeah, I mean, fewer and fewer of them. But, uh, and I guess maybe they maybe they don't get interviewed as much because they're not as interesting. Quite often when people are being interviewed now, um, they're either promoting something, which makes for really boring, like, journalism... Or they're being asked their opinion on some hot button topic, which is very difficult to end up on the right side of. So, is it like is the Japanese comic industry quite exploitative, or is that just Japanese culture? Like, uh, is is Japanese working culture quite? It's a little bit like, of column A and a little bit of column B. Uh, Japanese working culture, from my understanding of it, I've tried not to be too much of a Japanese culture, Greg. Uh, mm. Like it's. It's not incredibly healthy. Like, there's always a big emphasis on having a nice, stable job you can work at uh, more than be at home and get everything done in your life and live, like, live in a way that serves the country well. But also, uh, manga as an industry hasn't massively changed since, let's say, 1950. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, un- the unhealthier practices, like working endlessly, uh, to, to finish work have become harder and harder to do as technologies have improved and work becomes more time intensive to make sure it's mm-hmm. uh, up to a, a modern standard. And so it, it's just a case that uh, an entire industry hasn't really adjusted to the times. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. for example, digital comics, we, we've, well, we've had like a good half decade of day and date digital comics over here. They've probably had about two years and even then some magazines still aren't quite doing it because they don't, they don't think it's a viable model. They've been so used to print for decades on decades on decades. Mm-hmm. 
I think when you say that it hasn't changed much since the 1950s as well, I'm just thinking that <clears throat> even even though we talk about creator rights so much and whether people were treated well financially, like the work ethic in the American comic artist and in the British comic artist and writers, I guess, was completely different, like, back then as well wasn't it the jack kirby didn't work as hard as jack kirby did because um well maybe a little bit because of how he was being compensated but he was just a draftsman i don't mean he was just a draftsman but like he did the work because he wanted to do the work as well yeah he he had something he wanted to create uh i i Sounds hopelessly cynical for me, but I often get the impression from mainstream comic writers that they're trying to write something that will get a big adaptation and earn a paycheck rather than something yeah. that they desperately needed to get off their chest. I think there's been a little bit of that since um, the early 90s. I definitely think that... Um, I definitely think that was the point at which creators started being more shrewd. Uh, shrewd. This is my... Uh, uh, a diplomatic way of putting it you've heard me be a lot less positive <laughs> about this but i think they became uh, that was the point at which they started becoming much more shrewd businessmen i think that there's no reason I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing i think that they always presented it as it was always presented as pushing back against the sort of treatment that people like kirby got uh got before them but actually i think there's this huge middle ground between the two (laughs) there's this huge middle ground between the two the jobbing artist who uh who gets paid to do the work and and blah blah blah, and maybe could be being treated better but it's just working hard and the people at the other end who are kind of really really good at the business um because all of the image guys pretty much not all of them but they they weren't mostly drawing their own comics within about a year of starting they'd set up studios around them and were paying other artists to do you know what i mean it's they quickly they quickly replicated the they quickly got out of the actual day-to-day of actually making their comics when they could and paid other people to do them so not again not that that's a bad thing i'm not trying to put a negative spin on that but i I don't mean to continuously blow smoke up rob liefeld's ass but he's managed to make a hell of a career in the modern day out of proving that he can hire other people to make the things that he created yeah and when uh when you happen to catch alan moore at a point when he really needs the money (laughs) things are (laughs) things are gonna go pretty well well there i think although alan moore didn't really finish all that much that he started for rob leafield back in the day but um i don't know if that's fair i don't know if it was alan moore i just i just remember i've got a few first issues of things that i don't think third or fourth issues ever came out of yeah he did like what uh three three issues of evangeline and a couple of supreme sure yeah yeah like he started a few books for him didn't he but i don't know anyway um you touched on uh i think you touched on it a little bit a minute ago porn comics that's what we were going to talk about i don't know if you've still got time to talk about one though. oh yeah no i'm i'm a, i'm effectively safe for time the only real risk is that in about 15 minutes there's a chance that you might like loudly hear raven open a door downstairs and like yell up or something but that's fine we have to edit that out it's a, it's a heavily yeah. edited show you make right 
Yeah, yeah, it's really. Uh, I, uh, I I put a lot of time into putting out the best product. I think uh, I, I think uh, that's uh, uh, there's lots of evidence of that. Um, so porn. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I don't I don't think we necessarily have enough time at all to dig to probably dig into this, and I don't know I don't know if I'm necessarily thinking consistently enough. But we were talking about um, we were talking about one particular comic that we've both read. Uh, recently online um and it's a comic called alfie is it called alfie it is called alfie it, it's and on who's... the website but smithy but it's called alfie and it's by um the is it i don't know if it's a man or a woman or uh, it's a man who goes by in case yeah I don't know how I f- I don't know how I found this comic. It sounds like it sounds like it's something that is quite well known in circles that I don't necessarily frequent. But it's um I guess it's set in a sort of a post Tolkien esque you know, it's that sort of fantasy world, isn't it? There are halflings and elves and giants and uh humans. But it's about the I is it overblown to say it's about the sexual awakening of a young woman called Alfie and at the same time, like, dovetailing with that, her mother's, I guess, her mother's uh, exploration of her sexuality? Um, that's what it is, isn't it? That's basically no, no, what it 100%. is. 100%. Like, there's, there's plot in between to make it into more of a bit of a ongoing drama, but by and large, it's all about these two people learning more about who they are sexually. Uh, meanwhile, Alfie's father it seems pretty content with who he is, which pisses off the mother immensely. The mother completely yeah. The mother's called Vera and it's and they're all halflings. Like the, do we ever uh, is that what they're called? They're basically hobbits. Yeah. Uh, that's that's back, the archetype, when, isn't it? Back when the comic was in early sort of prototyping stages, they were mostly just being called short stacks because they're short and they're stacked and in cases right. of fetish pinup artists who's kind of gone into comics. Yeah. Uh, but like but Halflings is kind of where it ended up with once the whole fantasy setting thing really got underway. See, I found um I probably found I don't know how I found this comic, but it was probably prurient. And there's um that's uh, something that I think is worth digging into a little bit. I've I quite like erotic comics and I normally find them for the same reasons that I quite like other porn and we don't need to go into too much detail about that but usually uh they don't need to be that sophisticated they just need to be pretty and evoke a certain feeling like in me anyway for me like most porn and i'm actually thinking though i've got um the i guess the first comic like that i ever saw was called omaha the cat dancer which i think was by a guy called reed warley Whirly, Wally, which was literally set in a contemporary American town um, and was about contemporary uh, American characters, but they were anthropomorphized animals. So Omaha was this very beautiful um, but quite naive, uh, sexually, um, sexually excitable cat lady cat lady person who dances an exotic dancer um that comic got really weird really quickly 
I mean, aside from the fact that it was anthropomorphic, like this was this was before the internet, really. That I was that I was reading this comic. It was quite um, it was quite eye opening because I guess anthropomorphized char- uh, animal characters had been around for a really long time, but they certainly weren't the thing that they are now, where they're actually quite commonplace. And so, seeing these uh, people having really graphic sex uh, while also there's one particular scene where Omaha is uh, receiving oral sex from a bird lady and the way the artist handled the fact that this woman had a beak was quite eye- eye-opening and had a weird effect on me in my early 20s. But But anyway, Omaha was weird because it became a soap opera really, really quickly. And after the first few issues, you'd you'd find these really graphic but like straight out of porn idealized fantasy sort of sex scenes um there were lots of them in the first couple of issues but then there were a lot fewer of them as this sort of american um soap opera played out which was all about rich people doing deals and um people working as artists but working uh slumming it as artists when they actually had this rich father who was revealed in the sixth issue and it was like dynasty style stuff but with really graphic sex rather than gut like fading to fading to gray the way you'd get in a soap opera but most of the erotic comics i've read since then have been like scenes um so, for example, there's uh, a couple of anthology books I've got. True Porn is one. Um, and another one's called Smut Peddler, which was edited by a woman called Spike. Spike Trotman. Uh, she is uh, pr- pr- pretty <laughs> pretty much like the, the smut god to people in my age group right now. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. And and, um, and then there are other people like Erica Moan who, who may even be in here. There's, an, there's a, a lady called Jess Fink who is amazing that I really like but still these books are like the short stories but the short stories are basically veering from the romantic to the um entirely like sensuous sex scenes you know mm. explicit sex scenes which that that they don't really have most of the time they don't have pretensions to be anything else if you see what i mean they they're like they're very diverse in terms of the sorts of people who are having sex and the sorts of situations they're in and stuff like that but they're mainly the narrative is is normally pinned around this this uh sex scene and um they're sometimes romantically satisfying and sometimes they're like um their sort of coming of age moments or like coming of awareness moments but there's no uh, attempt to do anything more sophisticated or or to really go into the the deeper um changing psycho i guess am i misusing the term psychosexual like psychosexual nature of sexual discovery and stuff like that i i have no idea um, that that's more uh that's more timothy swan's area of expertise than mine it it is, isn't it? If only he could have been here. No, it's fine. I'm joking. <laughs> You're amazing. Um, but Alfie was weird because I, I tuned into it for the same reasons pretty much that I tuned into those other things. And that's not that's not to say that there aren't books that are supposed to be a more in-depth exploration. of. I've got one here called um, Yukiko Spinach, 
which is uh, by a French guy called Frederick Boyle, uh, who I think primarily works in Japanese. I think he lives in Japan anyway, but he probably still mainly works in French comics. Um, and that's just about a relationship he has with a Japanese woman called Yukiko. And there is some explicit sex in it, but it's more about a straight white man having a relationship, a complicated relationship with a woman. Um, you know, because there, there aren't loads of those around already. Uh, but, but Alfie's weird because it is explicit. It's totally, totally, like, filthy. I mean, filthy in a sex... See, I when I say filthy and dirty, I still mean them in kind of a positive way, but it, the language sounds sex negative, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, I I find I'm much the same, but I mean, I I find part of being sex positive is to treat even the most lurid of terms as being just really good. You say, yeah. if you say it with enthusiasm. You're there, you know, like oh, it's filthy. Oh, that no, sounds a bit weird to say in conversation, actually. <laughs> well, but also. Like I guess, I guess you're probably young enough that um, we were just coming out from under the sort of carry on era. But oh. one po- one positive of that is it is kind of the the one vaguely sex positive aspect of that part of British culture is that cheekiness and it's not like oh your dirty isn't necessarily sort of isn't necessarily negative there's an underlying sort of um, it's always creepy men doing it to very young women but we're cheeky aren't we we're naughty british people that's well, what we're so, like when, when it, i'll be honest when it comes to men's like old men saying it in a lurid way to young women there's an entire like porn comics genre dedicated to that in Japan and we live in the age of again of the global comics industry and indeed of very easy piracy so these things are popular fetishes on your various scan sites because you can just just you can just get a dojin from Japan where a fat old man just corrupts a woman undeniably to the point of no return but it's fine because it's positive because they both end up enjoying sex but it's also really fucked up there's a um the uh the uh father of a young actor from um the uh, hit TV sitcom uh, Outnumbered is uh, one of the most famous British porn stars isn't he Ben Dover and he's pretty much just Sid James like what what Carry On always suggested was going on with Sid James behind the scenes <laughs> Is is what Ben Dover is, and pretty much always ha- he even talks a bit like him. Not that I've seen hundreds of hours of uh, of hit. So anyway, so Alfie, <clears throat> yeah, it's weird because it is re- it it really works on that completely titillating, um, and set the and the art's beautiful. I don't know what you'd say about the art. What sort of style is it? It's kind of. Everything these days looks manga inspired to me, but I don't necessarily think that's the case with this. It's, I don't know. It feels like it's got stuff from all over, and it, it's mm. hard for me to put it down to particular inspirations because, like, I, I mean, I followed in Kaysen's and their work for oh god, a, a very long time. <laughs> I, I wish I could remember when, but uh, pretty much from the point where they started really hitting it off with their uh, pinups for the Seven Deadly Sins. 
Seven deadly sins? Seven evil sins? Seven sins. They just called seven sins? They're the seven deadly circles. sins. But yeah. I think deadly might be a little bit... It uh, might have always been a little bit over-enthusiastic. I don't think they were necessarily deadly. Well, the, the people involved with him in his pinups uh, don't mm. seem to be dead. So it's going, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, they're, and so he'd be doing, like, little blog posts of uh, of character studies and working stuff out and deciding what things worked or didn't with character expressions, trying to break out of the same face into doing a large variety. And, like, Alfie doesn't it feels more like the culmination of everything they've spent years learning through other work through some of their shorter mm. comics like uh like the mess or uh, they did an adventure time one called melting uh, i've seen about it aliens. that it's all fantastic work and mm. it's very much more what you're talking about for of uh porn comics that are a scene rather than an actual ongoing story mm-hmm. but like alfie seems to be just the, the big plan they had with a style that's the culmination of everything they've done before uh, especially recently, now that he's actually introduced like a tiefling style character that just honestly looks quite a lot like the aliens he's worked with in previous works. Uh, right. But it, it, it's uh, it, it's good. Uh, it's I, I feel like there was probably some level of those nineties manga and anime influences that hit a lot of artists of like this mm-hmm. sort of time now. But I'd I'd be buggered to say what. It's um, it's a really clean line style, isn't it? But it's still very cartoony. It looks more like the page I've got up in front of me actually looks a bit more like Mike Waringo than um, than anyone else. But it, it isn't always like that. But very sort of realistic figures, but cartoony rendering. Yeah, I uh, guess. And sometimes there's really heavily rendered color pages as well, aren't there? I'm looking at an early black and white page. I. I, I feel like if if you wanted easy comparisons for who the art styles like, uh, sort of along similar vein, it's a lot like uh, Stepan Sejic, who does uh, oh, yeah. the, the less porny comic uh, Sunstone, though equally sex positive in its own way. Uh, like it's very much that sort of digitally rendered thing with, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, especially now lush colours, but just... A, a mutable enough style that it can be adjusted as as they go along and grow. Yeah, he's he's interesting actually because he's a, a top cow artist, isn't he? I well, think I, he's. I mean, now he's a DC Comics artist. Is he? Oh, okay. Yeah, he's uh, I... he's doing occasional issues of Suicide Squad and is supposed to be the new regular artist of Aquaman, but he's, there's no word of if he's still on after the first arc. So who knows? Um... It's DC. His art's gorgeous. I found Sunstone a little bit boring. But, uh, um, Su- Sunstone is easily the the most boring sex comic I've ever read. But I like it. I really do like it. Um, the characters are really likeable. Yeah. I, I, Jeff Lester from a Wait What podcast has talked about it a lot as well. It's like, it's the sort of thing that should be really engaging in every single way. The, the characters are nice. It's visually stunning. But it's dull as heck. <laughs> The um the other thing the other thing that Alfie reminds me of a little bit um, art wise and tone actually is there's a guy called Richard Moore, who have I got that right? I think it's. I'm trying to look at my shelf behind me. Um, it's a chap called Richard Moore who I became aware of because of a comic he did through maybe Antarctic or someone called Far West, which was um about. It was a Western comic, but again, this similar sort of mixed genre, um, 
uh, medieval fan like el- elven characters and everything and 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 giants and monsters but in this western milieu um which was cheeky but not sexual and when i dug into his other comics basically a lot of his comics are porn comics as well that fulfill the same sort of scene thing um i was talking about before but it sounds like really fits um in cases uh previous work too where you'd get a sex scene but it'd be um it'd fit into a a sort of a sci-fi fantasy genre so you'd have a cyborg fucking a i don't i don't know a cute a, a alien woman with through six ears or something i don't know or um that sort of thing and actually the style is quite similar as well in that it it, it does that it, it it sort of, it almost lends itself more to sort of the disney princess style in some ways than anything else that hmm? no, i'm just i'm just what? looking at in case art i was like and, and you kind of hit nail on the head for this as well there's a there's a bit of disney it's the big eyes, which we always yeah. associate with manga, but actually has been a Disney thing for, well, for it, forever. It's, it's the weird bastardization where uh, Tezuka ripped off Disney and Fleischer, and then Disney ripped off Tezuka in return, and mm. it goes back and forward until the end of the world, basically. Yes, basically. Um, the story, I touched on it a little bit about uh, uh, in Alfie, but it starts, and I'm not that far in, to be honest. I, I thought... I thought I was almost up to date with it, um, and then I uh, looked at the most recent uh, recent page when we were when I knew we were going to talk about it, and um, and the story has clearly moved on quite some way. But it starts out with it's like a uh, it's in a small town of these halfling characters, um, and there's a caravan going through town of. Uh, this el i guess he's an elven noble and he's got human retainers and soldiers with him and stuff like that and alfie gets her head turned by this human guy who's very romantic and actually there even though um it's got it's got all the trappings of of uh kind of bawdy but uh bawdy but romantic literature as well she she sees someone else having sex first i think uh yeah and, she sees her friend melly having sex yeah and and is is kind of uh, um embarrassed but also excited by how wild it all is and then she ha- she ends up in this quite romantic situation with this human boy and she's this human guy and she's having to sneak around and then at the same time we meet her mum who has this pretty much at this point sexless relationship with her husband who is like openly having a gay relationship with um i don't know if we ever see i don't know if we ever meet him but but one of the other one of the other men in town and she's this was this was actually one of those places where it gave me pause and if it wasn't for how beautiful and and quite arousing the comic was i might not have got through this to see the the to see it reconciled later but vera her mother is a really angry woman and everybody knows her as really angry and bitter and she's pretty openly and realistically homophobic in the early chapters like the um she's not 
very uh she's kind of quite vocal and not very nice about her husband's relationship and then she ends up encountering this elven lord um who is uh just a completely sexual creature he's basically the the prince of the prince of the healthy world i guess but he's totally pansexual i think isn't he he's he's um and quite um a connoisseur i guess he's very he's exploring lots of stuff and she's initially disgusted by him and says some really uncomfortable stuff for me reading it in the mm. not and not knowing the artist and not knowing anything about the um about the about the um comics her first few encounters with this guy um although they are sexual are also really uh sort of angry she's very angry she's not enjoying them at all um it's all consensual but she's she's basically disgusted by this guy she's just going along with it all uh for her own benefit and because she's already pissed off with her husband and every and the rest of the world basically but the story progresses from there and you see each character so alfie ends up leaving the town but her mother ends up kind of leaving soon after in this weird and really sophisticated relationship with this this lord that initially she despised they end up having this really weird and complicated and very um yeah sophisticated is the best word it's not grown up or anything we don't suddenly all get into these weird relation weird relationships it's with each maybe other. the actual sort of definition of mature for once in context yeah yeah and it's it's this there's there's elements of um there's elements of s and uh s and m and bd is it bdsm now i'm not sure uh, if those are <laughs> is this the modern term for the modern what digital? do you young people call all of this stuff there's lots uh, of there's lots of that in it but it isn't a 50 shades of gray deal there's no like one you, you, you there's there's no there's no feeling of once you start really getting into the story and really getting into how the characters are all into play with each other there's there's no feeling that the artist is just doing it all to get his rocks off there's no placeholder character for him or it feels like that's the case anyway certainly reading yeah, it yeah like the, the the men aside from the elf like come remarkably close to being ciphers like with, yeah with nothing but not as really a criticism of them but just because they're not the focus it's it's about women for the most part exploring themselves and the, the men are there to go and be uh tools i guess literally well yeah yeah um but they they're well they're well enough written that the relationships are like i was i was quite surprised reading i think maybe the second or third meeting that alfie has with the human guy and thinking this is actually quite sweet i'm rooting for these guys <laughs> not literally rooting um uh the the the, the, the yeah the, the men are ciphers but they're not just sort of they're not uh, hollow they've got yeah uh, exactly they've got a verisimilitude about them yeah definitely i think it's a I think it's a pretty great comic, actually. I do need to catch up. There's um there's a problem with uh, the uh, web web comics. I think I don't know if it's that they've started being designed for reading on tablets or something like that, but 
the pages do not fit my monitor, so it's quite a ball ache to actually I, I, read it on I my computer. I can fit maybe one panel on my monitor at once, though they're really, really big high-res pages. And like uh, back when I supported in Case's Patreon for a good few months, I would get like the the full size versions of these, which mm-hmm. like to give you an idea of the scale they sort of work at uh, with the images in Photoshop, like an eye would fill up your screen. Blimey. Yeah. Uh, blimey, I thought that was going to be a comment about how lousy a, an environment for sharing that sort of thing the Patreon site is. Oh no, like the, the, the high-res uh, zips that they used to pin up of, uh, of, of literally just all their work were absolutely fucking fantastic, really. Mm. And as as they've become more heavily rendered and, and more colourful, um, I guess that must be pretty sort of, that must be quite an appealing Patreon to follow. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame I couldn't keep up, but you, you get a lot of this with uh, with erotic artists on Patreon, like because they give you access to to images at a better quality than sites or Twitter or anything will really let them put it up at. You just kind of get to actually admire that the, these people are really fantastic artists, and frankly, usually quite a bit better than what you'll get people doing in the mainstream because they don't have to match up with deadlines or anything. Hmm. I think. Um... We kind of touched on you said you're having trouble keeping up with it, and I think we've touched on an issue I have. Probably the only reason I'm not just reading web comics now and not really bothering with Western comics is that I have this problem where because they come out quite slowly, even even a couple of pages a week is still not the rate you normally read something mm. at. I I will tend to if I fall for something, I'll fall for it fall for it hard. I'll read up to the present. And then I will, it'll come out in such dribs and drabs that I won't be going back regularly enough and I'll end up forgetting that it exists until there's then so much of it that it's actually going to be a matter of sitting down and carving out some time to catch up, which is the case with this, definitely. But I've still got Tapastic on my, um, Tapastic? Tapatastic? I think it's just called Tapas now. Um, I've still got... Uh, yes, I, I'm aware of this, uh, this... Uh, service yeah i've got it on my um i've got it on my tablets i've got it everywhere really Mm. part part of the problem with that site is that every time you go to it um every time you go to it there's loads of new stuff being funneled at you as well new comics that you're not um that you weren't maybe aware of before so i end up never actually reading any of the stuff i've saved before i don't know um i i don't know one thing when I started going there, I didn't really understand how it was worth anyone's while to put their stuff on there beyond it just being seen. But now a lot of people have tied it up with their Patreons as well. So I don't really know what what the best way to produce a webcomic is or the best way to read them now. I really don't know. I, I can't think of the last time I actually read a webcomic that would count as new. Like the ones I've been reading have been around for ages. Uh, I mean, Alfie's probably actually one of the newest ones I've read, and that's been going for a, a good few years. Uh, the, the the current models don't necessarily support making new things that will pick up an audience, and it, if they do, yeah. then they've gotten very lucky, or they've had to had to like sign up with Tapas, where they lose all rights to their creation in the hope more people will read it. Is that the case? Is that why you said it in that way? Yeah, uh, it's one of those things that's that. like, oh, it's a, it's a really great way of getting someone out there, but you then have to kind of hope that they do something new afterwards that they actually own themselves. It is, 
it is ridiculous that RSS readers didn't become more of a thing. Like, they would have solved... My, uh, my most consistent reading of websites at all, um, but certainly of webcomics, was when I had a really good RSS reader. I can't remember what it was even called. It was before Google came along and everyone started trying to use Google's RSS reader. And RSS is still underlying everything. Like, all of the sites, I think, still run on it. But RSS readers went out of vogue and... Um, do people still use them? Uh, the I domain. Don't I don't. I don't know about. Uh, I guess some people still use them for for podcasts uh, if they're not into using like Apple's podcast service or Podbean or any. Well, actually, I guess Podbean is kind of an RSS reader. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. So, like, uh, I mean, people do for that in particular, but I've not really seen it used for anything else, especially because, say, if it's for web comics and that. Uh, creators from their social platforms often kind of make a point of going like, come come to my site, please. I have like two adverts on it. I'll get pennies. I need it. Yeah. Yeah, Project Wonderful, I think, is still going, which was the, the mm. thing that most people use to serve their adverts. But it's... um, Yeah, it just seems... It seems a shame if Topastic is taking people's rights because as an aggregate... It, the site itself doesn't really do very much. It's just a nice way to read comics. Yeah, it's just it's a, a nice convenient aggregate. way to keep up with stuff and to find new things. Why, why are people like this? This wasn't what capitalism was supposed to be like. <laughs> Uh, but I, I wouldn't know about that. The good days of capital, uh, capitalism were probably long before my memory. But uh, I don't think they ever really happened. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think they ever really happened. <laughs> but in, it, it's it's as good a working system as any if 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 applied to uh, using um, artif I guess artificial intelligences. Humans fuck it up. Humans are what fuck it up. The one thing I want to say about Alfie because I read one of the comments um, on the page I'm on. One of the comments is great because like we've been talking about it, and we did say that it's like quite explicit. But I do wonder if when we started talking about how romantic and like how sophisticated and grown up some of the relationships in it are, if we didn't make it um, sound like it wouldn't work. As explicitly as a porn comic but one of the comments on um, one of the comments on the page I'm on was uh, this uh, I'm very happy with the return of Alfie series, hope there will be gangbangs and a lot of cum <laughs> porn um, comments are a precious thing really yeah, I just think uh, just any comics on web, web comics, just com comments, the good thing about comments on web comics is people certainly the ones I've seen generally people like the thing and that's why they keep coming back so they don't I don't know maybe Trump's ruined everything now or maybe I'm just being naive but like the, generally I don't read the comments on webcomics and think I wish everyone in the world would just die Um, <laughs> normally I'm just sort of a bit impressed at how these people have managed to find this one thing that they've suddenly become really obsessed with it's quite cool I don't know. But yes, there's definitely gangbangs and cum in Alfie. Did he say yeah. gallons? Lots. There's a lots of cum, definitely. I, I feel like gallons would also be an appropriate quantifier. There's a sex scene between two giants in the most recent one. Um, if they can't manage gallons, uh, I don't know who can. You know, I assume they were standing in a lake in it, but the more we're talking about it, the more I'm wondering... If it wasn't, it was just a nice hollow that they'd found to begin with. 
<laughs> but they've been there a really long time and filled it up. That's what I didn't need to. I didn't need to um, take that. You, the the punchline was implied, wasn't it? I didn't need to <laughs> go all the way on that one. But, uh, you uh, know, some, sometimes you have to spell it out. Maybe a listener's there and they've not really had to think about cum very much. Yeah, I mean, since the Carry On movies stopped happening, innuendo as a, as has has um has died as an art in uh, in Britain. So that's not true. It's just got worse. I think it might have just we, got we, worse. We save innuendo now to kind of be, you know, rather than sexual innuendo, it's more an innuendo of like we're we're going to do something horrifically racist. You know, it's a political yeah. innuendo. Yeah, yeah. It's it's good. That, <laughs> it's good that we found a use for it. <sighs> I want to read more Alfie now. I'm you like, should. I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie. Uh, in the entirety of this. Skype conversation pre-recording and up to about 10 minutes ago i uh i caught up on the last year of it which i hadn't read <laughs> i um i mean it is arousing though isn't it that's the thing <laughs> i can oh yeah totally I... well i mean i i it's when something has both a good plot and is also just arousing porn mm-hmm. comics like it, it's difficult to talk about because you want to be like you, you don't want to delegitimize the fact it is also just hot, but you also kind of want to make a point of going, yeah, but it's great in other ways. I've, I've been having this talking about uh, Adultery Restaurant, my latest comics obsession, mm-hmm. which is like a, a pretty hot series about eating delicious food and having uh, sex while you're married with someone else who is also married, but not to each other. Right. And um, hence why it's called Adultery Restaurant. And and the, the, the thing there <laughs> is it's like... <laughs> The thing there is, I, I, I keep going like, oh yeah, no, it's like this incredibly hot comic and it's really nice and intimate in how it shows women eating, which I, I don't think that's a fetish for me, but at the same time, I appreciate that they put so much care into it. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I, 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 I still want to be talking about how amazing it is that it's so perfectly aimed at this Japanese businessman demographics. It's going like, what are the things you can't do now that you're a fully grown adult in a marriage with a full-time job? And it's like, well, you can't go traveling and eat food that's bad for you, and you can't have sex with women that aren't your wife. So let's make a comic about both these things. <laughs> Just and it, it's that. it's so popular, like it's getting a, a live action drama next year because basically people have managed to live out these these morally reprehensible fantasies through this comic. I think is um is Jap- I guess maybe I, I was going to say is Japanese television iterative in that same way and sort of, but actually most most american and british tv is anyway so we've already we've already pretty much oh, said that haven't we it's just i mean globally fir- we live in the age of adaptation so everything is literally a rip off yeah my my first instinct when you said that was well that just it seems like once you actually put real actors actual actors in a situation doing that it seems less it seems less palatable for me Almost, almost immediately. But then we're not necessarily talking about event or destination TV, are we? I like presumably it's presumably it's going to be more throwaway. Yeah, it'll be sort that... of middle of the night on a side channel, and it'll be watched by exactly the sort of people who would watch that sort of thing. And hmm. that's fine. I mean, that's that's like the cornerstone of the anime industry over there as well. Is if there's something fan service we'll watch it online because the service is like Crunchyroll and stuff. 
But over there, it, it'll it'll mostly be a thing that shows at one in the morning to mm. people who don't leave their bedrooms, and that's <laughs> that's fine. That's good good for them, really. Good good for the neats. <laughs> um, I think I think that reading Alfie while you are talking to someone else. So there's a requirement you stay focused. It might be the best way to read it and actually get through it. I keep getting distracted. Yeah, well, I, 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 I feel like it's probably the safest way to read any of these sorts of things because it's generally considered impolite to just start feverishly whacking off while talking to someone on the internet. Exactly. I'm I'm very much in my genes. Like <laughs> I'm not when when I'm talking to James. Sometimes I'm I'm a bit more naked. But uh, but I thought I should I thought should stay dressed hmm. for this one. Well, I mean that that's the nature of your relationship with James. Though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, shout out to James. We totally <laughs> failed to do anything for uh, mental health day or anything for two grown men. Uh, just uh, to put your mind at ease, Max, and any listeners who might be worried. Although I might cut this out because it's relevant to the other one. Um, we do. He and I do still love each other, as far as I know. Um, it's just that we're both really mentally unhealthy at the moment, so it's making it quite hard to get it together to talk about uh, how mentally unhealthy we are. That's that's weird, isn't it? You'd think it'd be the best time to do it. Oh, but, but I um, mean, you, you you get this a lot with. Uh, with I mean, with generally with friendships, but also with friendships that center around creative projects, like. Uh, the, the Tim and Max podcast hasn't existed in a, a very long time and me and Timothy Swan don't always talk super often but it's mm. not because we don't love each other very much it's because we're both quite busy people yeah you tend to do like three hour episodes when you do do them though don't you yeah well that that this is the the challenge we're having me on any podcast uh, the the poor bastards at Manga Mavericks suffer this as well is if anyone starts engaging me on a topic I'm interested in I will talk for three to four hours. Yeah. Yeah, me too, unfortunately. That's why I'm, I'm trying to work out. I know that we both got to go because <laughs> I have to read an explicit comic. Um, no, that's... Do you know what? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to play RimWorld. That's basically what I do all the time at the moment. RimWorld is not what it sounds like. It isn't a sexy game at all. Wait, thank you for beating me to my question. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's it's rim because it's set on a planet on the outer rim. It's nothing to do with rim jobs at all. So um, that's what I'm going to do. That's that's basically why. That's the other reason why I haven't done any podcasting. And the other thing I've been watching a little bit of is San, uh, Santa Clarita Diet. Have you seen that? I've not, but I really should because Drew Barrymore was a childhood crush, and Timothy Oliphant in full daddy mode is very much a modern day crush. So, like, it, it, it's a it's a fulfillment I need to have happen in my life is to see them both in a thing together. He's he's a little bit funny and justified, but he's very very funny in this, and it, it's amazing that he manages to make himself seem dorky and somehow less than like uh, gorgeous. I because he's. He's just he just oozes this sort of handsome maleness in everything else I've seen him in. And in Deadwood, um, he does it to the extent where he's actually like deliberately quite a cock in it. Mm. And in Justified, it's I would I would not have believed that the next thing I would watch him in, he would just seem like this really uncomfortable. He would be convincing as this really uncomfortable um, uh, everyman character but the daughter in it 
is someone who I had only seen before. And there's this weird. Have you noticed that there are loads of these Korean? Um, what are they called? Dramas? Are they called K K dramas or whatever? K dramas. Uh, um, I I definitely know about the K dramas. Raven's a big fan of watching through every single K drama that grabs her interest on Netflix. Um. But there was an American show. I've only seen this one thing. I don't know how I ended up watching it, but there's an American show, which my guess is it probably started as sort of one of those YouTube-facing like shows, but ended up getting an order on Netflix or whatever, that is about this American girl who ends up in the world where all of these K-dramas are made. Um, So she's pretty much the only American in it. Well... She's the only white, like Caucasian American in mm. it. Um, I don't, I don't know where all of the uh, like Korean actors in it are from. But it was weird because it plays a lot with it plays and comment plays with and comments a lot on all of these genre tropes, which meant nothing to me because I've not watched. I've well, not yeah, watched but I mean, you, you get a similar experience watching Jane the Virgin, surely. Um, I haven't watched Jane the Virgin. I would have absolutely have pegged you for being someone who would be massively into that show. I haven't been pegged by anyone either. Well, you're missing out. This is <laughs> this is the the generation gap here between us, isn't it? I know. I know. I feel like I was maybe uh, mentally designed uh, to be a twenty something in 2017, but um, I mean, I'm angry and and uh, and uh, I've always been angry and upset enough. Uh, that I'd have fit right in here as a 20-something. but um, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a short quiz to check whether you should be a 20 sign in 2017. Uh, did you watch the new Twin Peaks? I did not. Okay, have you seen what Dana Ashbrook looks like nowadays? What's a Dana Ashbrook? You've never seen Twin Peaks at all, have you? Like, not even the old one? No, I saw the old one. I watched yeah? the first uh, season... But it was a very long time ago. I mean, I, were you even born when I saw it? I don't. Uh, I I was very much a toddler when it came out originally. Yeah, but I like, saw it when it was so first he, being aired. He played the uh, the 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 asshole teenager Bobby, who was like just just kind of a, a a smarmy prick getting caught up in stuff that he wasn't ready for, and he was massively unliked through those series because he was you know he was pretty as an asshole. The, the way to know if you're a 20 sign in 2017 is because every single person I know who was my age who went into that show uh, turned around from him being like the one they liked the least when he was a kid to being the absolute favourite in the comeback. Oh, right. Okay. I'm That's my at only him. metric. I'm looking at him and he does ring a bell. I The thing is, I watched them, but we didn't have video like... Well, I, you, could, you could record stuff on VHS, but I didn't record Ooh. those. And um, I probably watched Northern Exposure, um, rewatched Northern Exposure more than I watched Twin Peaks because I only saw it the once. I do recognise him, but I think I must have seen photos of him recently. He's craggy. He's a silver fox now. That's what he is. <laughs> yeah, the, I like the, the, it. Basically, we live in the age of daddy culture, and so he's a good metric of a. Uh, of whether you're a twenty-year-old, because you just have to. If you, if you look at a picture of someone who's sufficiently daddy, and you go, "That's a daddy," then you, then, then you're a twenty-year-old, and or thereabouts in twenty seventeen. If you look at someone who's sufficiently daddy and go and say, "This is someone my age. They are a human male and an adult, and probably have children," then you're definitely older. That's me. That's definitely <laughs> me. Is that why I can't shake off younger people? They just gravitate towards me. Is it daddy culture? I thought it was because I still looked really young. 
No, you, you may have secretly graduated to daddy now that you have two children. That's exciting. I don't think it's necessarily true. The reason they gravitate towards me now is because I work on a on a student help desk, so they have to if they, <laughs> they, wanna, if they wanna find stuff out. I mean, oh, I, I almost was going to make a really terrible joke comparing you to Harvey Weinstein, but let's not. Yeah, I mean... You know, they're forced to gravitate towards you and you utilise that position. It's fine. <laughs> I've never, I have never once utilised that position. Which position are we talking... I'm not... I mean, this is none of this is going in, Max. This is just us talking, Max. Oh, I, I'm, I'm glad as such because we've been saying some terrible stuff. Is the new Twin Peaks good? Uh... It's possibly some of the most creative television I've ever seen, which admittedly isn't, you know, that's only 27 years of watching TV experience there. But like, if, if you were to watch anything without context for the whole thing, because it, it's 18 hours, you know, not everyone's going to sit down and watch that. Uh, the, the eighth hour of it, uh, I think literally each episode's called like part whatever, so it's part oh, eight, right. is probably the most experimental thing that's ever actually been put on TV. Oh, that sounds interesting. I guess I, I mean, need it... to rewatch the second season. Well, I don't think I finished the second season, mm. so I, I don't know what it is that like made that show really hit it off with people like me who were too young to have watched it when it first came out. Uh, well, I mean, it's probably Carl McLaughlin because like he he's a, a cult figure all the way along the modern day. Even in How I Met Your Mother, he was like the most popular guest throughout. He was in. I captain. mean, a lot of people because he was in. Um, he's been in. He's not been in much, but he's been in odd things. So he was quite a prominent character in Sex in the City. So Amy knows him mm. because he's in a lot of Sex in the City. Um, and I guess he's turned up in other things like that. He was really good in Agents of Shield, actually. He was which, in Agents of Shield. Yeah, I think a lot of people have slept on Agents of Shield, but it's really good telly. I, I think the problem with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is it requires that initial investment of watching the first series of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Which, which wasn't... Like, I, I, watched, I watched a couple of episodes of it, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was just... It, it was a time commitment for very little reward. Yeah, I think they immediately... I just... I think... The TV, TV, a lot of the. I think it's one of those things. It's happened. It's happened a lot with comics, but for different reasons. But like shows like Buffy, um, mm. when shows started doing that long arc stuff, and it was good when they did it because they were still kind of sticking to ep- episodes, which is what TV's really built for, and what our viewing habits are still kind of built for. The odd serial TV, the odd serial show that like requires you watch them in sequence and stuff like that is really really good but we've ended up deciding that's what all of them all of our 40 minute tv shows should be like and it ends up um, kind of crazy because i mean the the main ones that did it when that format was really kind of picking up for me was like the episodic crime shows where you know, it's the same characters, but the case has to change every episode because yeah. you can't really drag them out that long. Yeah, and I mean, they don't lose audiences. Um, like, there isn't that thing that happened, which I still really think was the problem with Farscape. Farscape was a way better show than Stargate, but Stargate, the sci-fi channel, kept going for years and years and years, and 
Farscape just became too expensive too quickly for them. I don't think it was just that it was expensive, although it was. It was more expensive than SG-1. Mm. It was that literally, like, although it got to the point with SG-1 where if you hadn't seen any of that season, you might get a bit confused as to where exactly, like, what the status quo was. Um, Farscape, you literally, if you missed an episode, you'd be completely lost. And even yeah, with like, a previously on at the beginning, you still wouldn't really know what was going on most of the time. Yeah, like, I, I was very into Farscape as a kid because uh, it had like a regular time slot on BBC mm. Two for the first couple of series. But after that, it it stopped being as regular and you didn't know when it was on and it became completely unwatchable because you would just miss like one episode and suddenly it would turn out something could happen with... Uh, with Scorpius, but not the real one, the one that lives in Crichton's head, and yeah, the real exactly. one's out there as well, and he's alive again, and you're just like, you, you, your brain would melt, which is a shame, because it it was probably, I mean, technically, I mean, both because it was gorgeous and because it had great stuff going on, it was probably the best of that era of sci-fi shows to me, other, other than Deep Space Nine, but I'm going to be biased with that, because I fucking loved it. Yeah, but it 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 doomed itself by deciding to have uh, continuity on the level of comic books. Yeah, which which was still even a new thing in comic books, and I think we've seen that it's like a like a a, a crutch and a crippling thing as well, like both at the same time. And and actually, Deep Space Nine still had was still each episode still stood alone for the most part, didn't it? They'd have... And, until the last two series, which were basically one long plot line with occasional divergences for stuff like uh, like the greatest episode of the whole thing where uh, Cisco ends up kind of mentally transported back to the, the 1920s for like a sci-fi magazine. I think Is people so were just cool? talking about... I think... No, no. There's one where they're in the very near future, like our very near future, isn't there? Mm. There's what that, which I haven't seen. I've seen the one you're talking about, um, and he's a writer on the. Yeah, he's a writer of science fiction. Like, I remember that one. I but I mean, if you're not invested in it by that point, like the last two seasons, you were, the thing about because the thing is, Buffy was one of the things that people really looked at, at doing that really well. But for the most part, people don't like the series where they really leaned on it heavily, like. And the same with the X-Files. I, th- I still think that when people talk about the bits they love of those shows, normally they are single amazing episodes. Yeah, like, I mean, whenever I talk to someone about the X-Files, they talk about the third episode that ever came out with the guy who could like fold himself up to any space. Yes. Uh, they, they don't want to talk about the long overarching thing where, uh, where Mulder disappears for ages and maybe he's like become an alien or... Uh, mm-hmm. It was it was convoluted towards the end. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, because they had trouble keeping the actors, but that's the problem is hmm. when you when you're doing something that's a long arc, you have to explain why those people aren't around, and 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 like Amy gets really frustrated. She still gets really frustrated because she watches TV at really face value. And to be honest, I'm that's when I'm probably at my worst because like we watch loads of procedurals and 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 soapy stuff, soapy shows, and Chicago, and they always like. Both Chicago Fire and Criminal Minds, we've largely checked out Criminal Minds, to be honest. But, like, um, Chicago Fire finished at the end of the last season with something like four or five of the most popular characters 
in the middle of a fire and it looked like none of them were going to make it out and that was where it finished and she's been fretting about that all along and i've basically been saying it's contract renegotiations that's what happens at the end of the <laughs> they put they put those characters in that's what happens that's why characters get written out suddenly and you don't know where they've gone or or like why they're not around we're watching hawaii 50 and she's wondering why dano isn't in half the episodes and it's because because the actor made some sort of deal with them that he's not going to be around for that many episodes or he's having a like lost was really lost was one of those shows that was really fucked over for that sort of thing because they were trying to do long-term things with actors but then an actor had like get caught drunk driving on the island or they just decided they didn't want to do that that show anymore or whatever and they'd suddenly have to like write around it and try and come up with a reason for it happening and half the time their way of doing this would be to kill them and then they've got the problem that if they become free again they can't actually just put them back in exactly yeah exactly and 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 that's why you get this inconsistency that seems to drive people mad but it's like that entitlement is it it's like people think that I don't. I think that's why people are so dis- dissatisfied with finales, and they they can only point to one that they think is perfect, like, and it's normally Breaking Bad, which I haven't watched. But it's like, well, the the reason you hate so many of these finales is because your expectations are fucked, and that's because, like, <laughs> our expectations and and our sense of entitlement is we think that it's based on the way TV is meant to be. But actually, it's still a brand new idea in TV that you have these continuous, this continuity in these uh, and these these continuous stories. That's why they're no good at doing it. It's because that's not how their businesses are, are like. That they're 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 first and foremost designed as a way of selling advertising or selling slots on TV or whatever. Um. And if there's any art in them, it's like. It's a. It's because the crafts really. It's like what we were saying about manga. Really, I think there's still that workmanlike attitude is because they know that they've st- the people publishing the magazines know they've still got to fill the fill the pages and put out that magazine every month, and the pages just have to be filled somehow, and everyone's kind yeah. of aware of that. Do you see what I mean? Well, I think manga is also an interesting comparison to all these sort of prestige TV dramas that have endings that don't quite land on that is because with both of these half the time the reason an ending isn't that great is because the thing got cancelled so they're having to wrap it up in a non-ideal yeah. way or because they're not created with an ending in mind uh, I mean p- people like people get really mad if a series has been running for 15 years mm-hmm. and the ending chapter doesn't explain exactly who married who who had whose baby and what they're all doing now in the modern day yeah because they they want closure on every single possible thing and you get this in dramas as well but it's not the endings aren't about what telling you every little thing that matters how the story ends for every character Mm. it's about saying here's where we're leaving off because we can't actually do anymore yeah yeah i mean and the thing about it is though nobody's happy with those episodes that tell you where everyone is because the truth is they were never going to be happy because like because that's a really unsatisfying way of you don't that there's there's hardly ever been a case where you um unless it's specifically unless it's a book that's specifically designed as sort of a family history of this family or something like that Hmm. 
you check into the story at the point that's the most interesting and you check out of it at the time that's most interesting and it's kind of irrelevant what happens to the characters on on the other end of that i mean lost literally tells you what happens to like literally tells you where everyone ends up in the final season and people hated it like because that isn't really what people want from stories they think that's what they want want is a a confirmation of the things that were in their heads which you're never going to get because you're not the same as the people working on the show like i mean this is why fan fiction exists in the end Mm. isn't it because they they want to like imagine what the endings will be in their ideal world and then they Mm. moan if it doesn't match up to the, the reality of it thanks to max for talking to me um it was really good talking to Max because normally I can't shut up, but quite a few times during that conversation, I realised I felt really, really rusty at, at, at the whole podcasting thing. I, I felt a little bit weird about what I was saying, and Max is just brilliant. He completely takes takes up the slack, which is really good. He's excellent. I like him. And it was pretty good talking about uh, talking to him about manga and webcomics because those aren't really something that I'm that well versed in. But the books we were talking about are pretty great. So, so yeah, hopefully we'll do some more of that at some point and hopefully you'll like it. Really though, who fucking says Yarp? I've only seen, I've seen Hot Fuzz once. I'm pretty sure that's where it comes from. I saw it years ago. I don't think I particularly liked it. Um, no worries. No worries. Remember, uh, you can talk to uh, me on Twitter at NickSite. Uh, I'm generally, I think, a little bit clearer, although probably do write a few too many multi-thread tweets i don't know um also issues pod i-s-s-u-e-s-p-o-d and there's the facebook page we have issues there's the facebook group the other 10 percent, which isn't really uh not really sure what we can do with that yet um but that's kind of the exciting thing about it if you if you join then uh, we can start uh working out what to do with that little community area together, which would be pretty cool. Um, I'm also on Mastodon, which is a new uh, social network. I'm not really sure how that's going to go. All of the people I'm on there with uh, at the moment are people I already know really, really, really well who who mostly are involved with the podcast already. So, um, so yeah, if you're on Mastodon, have a look for Nixite, N-I-X-S-I-G-H-T, and uh, that looks like it'd be quite an interesting place. Well, not, it's not so much interesting. It's just that it is basically just Twitter, only with a much greater view to social justice, which a few years ago I think I'd have thought sounded hideous. But Twitter's really soiling itself at the moment. Not the site itself. Uh, so much as the people running it and the way they're applying their policies and stuff. It's a bit gross, to be honest. Facebook is already a bit gross. So, um, so I don't know. Mastodon could be interesting. Uh, we are on Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash TOTP. To be honest, though, because we're not very regular, um, what I would feel a lot more comfortable with... <laughs> 
and I'd really appreciate actually uh, is that if you have enjoyed this and the conversation with Max, Max is great, but I'm a bit of a train wreck in this episode, I think. But if you have enjoyed it, please do tell us um, because I think feedback and knowing that people are listening um, and interested is 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 more inspiring or drives most of the podcasters I know a lot more than pretty much anything else. Um, so yeah, it'd be good to hear from you. As long as you're not an asshole, try not to be an asshole. But well, that's good advice anyway. I'm just I'm rambling at this point. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you to those of you who are pet. Patronizing, patronizing us. Thanks uh, to Max. Praise be to Max. Frankly, not praise be to Max. Praise be to Max. I'm not a religious person. I'm not really qualified to say that, but you know, praise him, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. <laughs>